Welcome to The Book Alchemist. I'm your host, Heather Sutty, and my guests are from all walks of life with one thing in common, a love of reading. Callum McSorley is my guest today, and since we met Callum, his debut novel, Squeaky Clean, scooped the prestigious McIlvany Prize. We chat about the books which shaped his life, Ali McCoist, and how not becoming a journalist worked out for the best. Callum, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for asking me. So congratulations on the success of your debut novel, Squeaky Clean. Thanks very much. Cheers. So tell me about, for anyone who hasn't read your book, tell me about where the title came from and the idea for Squeaky Clean. Uh, so it's set at a car wash. It's about a car wash employee who borrows a car from a customer to get to a court date. While he's on his way there, it gets hijacked and torched. It turns out this customer is uh, a gangster, a really dangerous one, and he now owes him a lot of money for the car. So he kind of kind of goes to work for him as a cleaner of sorts. Okay. And the the other kind of narrative is about a detective called Alison Ali McCoist, who, after making a large mistake and letting this particular gangster slip through the net, is kind of um, on a kind of redemption sort of arc to try and get back in the game. So, Ali McCoist, are you a Rangers fan? I am not. <laughs> this is uh, this. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was writing the first draft and I needed a name for my detective and it popped into my head because a, a friend of mine who is a really good Rangers fan when we were growing up, he had a fish, a goldfish called Coisty and that just <laughs> popped into my head and so I, I wrote I wrote McCoist down and then I was thinking it's, it's kind of a funny name for a cop in Glasgow because people like associate it so heavily with Ali McCoist <laughs> and then and uh, I, I decided to then go the whole hog and call her Ali McCoist and because it's a great source of irritation for her, you know, because <laughs> yeah. people always say things to her all the time. Yeah. And I thought it was a nice parallel to Davy, who puts up with people making car wash jokes and singing, mm-hmm. you know, the car wash song, song at him all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was a nice parallel, the two of them. And uh, my grandma, however, was was a, a huge Ali McCoist fan. So and, and he's from East Kilbride, and I'm from East Kilbride. So it turned there was lots of nice little links. Yeah, lots of things. It, it was kind of coincidence, but. Um, but yeah, he he heard about it though. His, did he really? And what was it? What what did he say? Do you know? He's, he's, I think he thought it was funny. Yeah, that, that, that was. Uh, I think it was the son got in touch with him at some point. <laughs> Great, love that. And tell me about your journey from studying to becoming a published author. So I I studied creative writing, journalism, and English at Strathy. and it was during my during my last year there I started working in a car wash down the street. I didn't really know the guy that owned it, but we would just say hello because it was on the way to the shop. So we we said hello a lot and chatted every now and then. He needs he needed a, an extra pair of hands, and I, I needed some extra money. So I went to work for him for a couple of years while I was finishing my studies, and I interned and scrabbled around for work really. And I, I ended up I ended I was trying to become a journalist. It didn't work out essentially, but um, but. Yeah, after a couple of years after uni, I started writing short stories again after taking a, a big break from it. And yeah, and just from there, I worked at short stories for a while and worked at some novels. And eventually it was third, fourth, third or fourth time lucky with Squeaky mm-hmm. Clean. Yeah, I don't know. It was just uh, the car wash thing is something I always wanted to write about because mm-hmm. I thought it would make a great setting. And my boss, who I just spoke about, he, he was quite a character himself. And he he was easily kind of transposed into a fictional version for the book. Mm-hmm. That was great fun to do. 
and yeah, so eventually I, I just kind of got around to writing the story and that that was the one, really. Um, I love that. I love that, you know, sometimes when things don't work out, you're gutted and you're so disappointed and it knocks your confidence, but then actually sometimes it's for the best. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh, because, I mean, yeah, there's obviously the years working at the car wash. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have written this story. But if I hadn't written these other novels before I got to the car wash one, because I, 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 I can see, like, looking back on these other books that didn't get published, that I was, like, improving each time. You know, mm-hmm. each one was, like, a stepping stone to the next. Mm-hmm. And it just it came together with... Yeah, it was, the, it was fourth, sorry. It was my third, my third one got me an agent and then didn't get published which was crushing, like absolutely. Like, yeah. That was one of the worst disappointments of the whole oh. journey. But I just, yeah, I kept going, and that I kind of I started that. This this third one was a big historical novel, and it took a lot, a lot of research. And once I'd finished with that, I was like, I want to write something where I don't have to do that. The research, and, that, and that's where I I went back to the car wash thing that I'd been sitting on for ages and thought. I'll do this now. You know, this is the time because I'm not. I'm just gonna because <laughs> there wasn't a lot of police stuff in it at first. It was just Davy at the car wash getting himself into trouble. You know, mm-hmm. and it was just oh, I put together all these wee tales and things. Yeah. That was the very rough first go at. It was just like bits and pieces that I remembered from when I worked there, and it was loads of fun, and it turned into something much bigger in the end. Great, and there's lots of humour in the book. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I, I, that was the, this this historical novel, very serious. Yeah very formal language and I wanted to go completely the other direction so I wrote it and um, I wanted I wanted to write it in the way I spoke but in a kind of more like an exaggerated comedic way and it was just loads of fun to do so yeah that's I, I wanted to kind of get as far away from this other one as I could and that's kind of why I ended up just writing lots of jokes and it being silly and then but then it was, it was, it was quite gruesome in places and I, I like the way those two things go together you know mm-hmm. like I, I always think of things like Sopranos and Breaking Bad or like got this really really dark sense of humour awful things happen but it's kind of funny a wee bit you know the awfulness of it is like you know I wanted to do something like that Brilliant and the feedback has been amazing Yeah yeah uh, like um, Chris Brookmeyer blurbed it for me which was amazing because he's obviously you know such a big part of uh, Scottish crime and the style of writing he does people have compared it quite a lot Um, and uh, Kevin Bridges loved it which is amazing, getting a, a message from Kevin. I saw that. I, you know, I saw that because, I, first of all, Chris Brookmar, what an accolade. Mm-hmm. I know, know for yeah, you. for so sure. Con- I'm a big from, fan. So. Yeah. Um, yes, I saw that Kevin Bridges had tweeted to say that he'd been, you know, up to the daft hours because he couldn't be a book down. And his wife also was trying to swipe it from him while yeah, he was well, she, it. she read it first. Did she she, she stole it off him. He, uh, a very... A very nice and brilliant bookseller up in Byers Road uh, sold it to Kevin, but his wife nabbed it from him when they were on holiday. <laughs> and so she she messaged me to say how much she liked it and oh. that she was yeah it was it was really nice. It was a really nice message. That's great. I think it's lovely um, when people reach out and tell you that they like your work, whether it's a podcast, a book, a newspaper article. It really means a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, one hundred percent. I've had a few people, uh, readers, get in touch just to see how much they enjoyed it. And you know, there was someone, a woman who lived. I think she maybe lived out in the States now, but was from Glasgow and and wrote to say it was great, kind of like being taken back there, you know, uh-huh. for a wee trip. And yeah, so it's, it's really nice to hear things like that. Super. And you've been shortlisted for some awards as well, haven't you? Yeah. So I'm up for Scottish Crime Debut of the Year and the McIlvanny Prize, which is the Scottish Crime Book of the Year. I mean, I know you're a fan of McIlvanny. I am, yeah. Only recently, though. Uh-huh. Like, I... I, I 
picked up uh, the first laid law book recently because I don't know, I just, I'd never got around to it before and I was kind of like, oh, his name's on the award, I should probably maybe... <laughs> If you need it. And it was brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. I was I was kind of kicking myself. I was like, I can't believe I've not really not not got around to this before. Uh-huh. It was excellent. That's like, funny. Really, um, still, it read really fresh, even though it's from the 70s. 70s, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. but yeah. And I was like, I feel like people reading Squeaky Clean would think I was already a massive William McIlvany fan from reading it. Right. And I've only actually recently started reading them. It's kind of it's, funny. It's funny that, isn't it? I love the fact that you picked up a McIlvany book because his name's in the title. That's like deciding that you're not going to drink coffee from Starbucks because you want to win the Costa Coffee Award. Book, yeah. <laughs> book award. <laughs> <laughs> so in yeah, terms I of... I thought it might be a bit good, maybe good luck. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> I, it's a sign, Callum. It's a sign. Um, how do you get shortlisted for these types of awards? Like, you know, sometimes like businesses enter themselves like how does it work with uh, the publisher enters them okay so they they enter them on your behalf and um uh, yeah and then you wait in here okay. and if if you're um if you're up for the if you're shortlisted they have to pay into the prize pot and stuff like that so if you're up for both of them they have to pay more and, like, okay so and it's it, like it's an investment for uh-huh. them you know yeah, like, yeah. Um, but it's i mean i think awards are yeah. brilliant marketing aren't they because there's nothing better than when you go into a bookshop and you see shortlisted longlisted winner of you know i, I think it's an instant oh i'm gonna buy that mm-hmm. yeah and when they put up like you know the displays and stuff that will be going up kind of in the run-up to bloody Scotland. They'll have, like, you know, the McIlvany Prize is such a mix of, like, established authors and new people that your book's going to be up on the shelf next to, you know, this year, uh, like, Chris Brookmeyer's... No, no, sorry, Val McDermott's nominated, Denise Mina's nominated, you know, these really, really big names. Ian Rankin is nominated. So your book's going to be sitting, you know, with all these huge, you know, famous Tartan Noir authors... And the kind of equivalence of that's going to draw between your work and their work is going to, yeah, be great advertising. Amazing. And you mentioned a lovely bookseller on Byers Road. Um, how important is it for authors like yourself to have the support of local booksellers? Uh, yeah, it's, it's everything really. Like, so you can, you know, when uh, when you when I first kind of got the book deal, it's amazing because you're like so few people get to that point. And then as you get close to publication, you realise, oh man, so many people have books coming out. Yeah. You know, you, you flip your position almost <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh dear, like, you know, what if my book comes out on the same day as Richard Osmond's new book or something? Oh, you know, yeah, you're yeah. Like, you feel like, oh, you could just easily get get buried, you know, mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if, if the booksellers get behind your book, it makes a huge difference. And water, like water, the Waterstones uh, Scottish team really got behind Squeaky Clean. It was... It was in the windows and up on display and it was amazing and has definitely, you know, contributed to... Yeah, success. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Without it, yeah. I don't like... If your book's... I don't know the statistics, but there's people have worked out, like, if your book is, like, in the shelf, not facing out, like, the percentage of it being sold is tiny compared to if it's even just turned around to face oh, wow. out and stuff like that. So like, you, are you running around bookshops yeah. across the UK? <laughs> Callum's squeaky clean tour, turning all the covers out. I, th- I think my mum's doing it for me, to be honest with you. Yeah, she's, she's making sure books are in windows, I think. Super. So when you're not writing, do you have a job now? Are you still at the car wash? Are you doing something else? Not anymore, no. I uh, So I went kind of from job to job. I've worked, you know, as a, like a kitchen porter. I've worked in hotels and doing housekeeping. I did all that sort of stuff after uni for years. And then... Um, when my son was born, I was living up in Aberdeen 
And so once my wife went back to work, I, I quit working to look after him. Okay. And I now have two children. So I, I'm a stay-at-home dad and I I write occasionally when... When the children are asleep. Yeah, well, uh, my son Elliot just started school this week. So oh, this is his that's... first week at school. So yeah, when my daughter Nina naps, I can try and do a little bit of work. Oh, I love that. Um, that's that's so good. So in terms of when you were growing up, I know that you studied creative writing at uni, but you know, was reading a big part of your childhood? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think around about nine or ten years old, I think is when I first read like Harry Potter, and from that point on, I was really really into reading. Because I wouldn't, like, I, I liked reading before that, but I wouldn't say I was, like, massive, like, a, a voracious reader. But after that point, I always was. So, yeah, that, yeah, I think that kind of, that kind of kick-started it for me at mm -hmm. that point. And, and when then, you left school, what made you decide to do creative writing at uni? Like, was it because you wanted to become a journalist and you saw that as an uh, avenue, or? I wanted, I always wanted to write a book. I wanted to sell, I wanted to be an author, like, from when I was really young. It's, but by that point, you know, like when you're really young, I'm like, oh, I would love to just write a book and it'll be on the shelf. Yes. And it seems simple, you know, like <laughs> I write the book, it'll be on the shelf. By the time I was like coming to do uni and stuff like that, I was like, oh, it's not really simple at all. And it felt like a, like I had a kind of impossible sort of dream. But I was like, well, if I can go and study creative writing and I can turn my writing into a career through journalism and I can kind of do a bit of both. So that's, mm -hmm. I decided to study journalism and then maybe I could keep up writing on the side. Mm -hmm. But then it didn't really work out like that. And I ended up not being a journalist and writing most of, like, and doing creative writing instead in my spare time. Mm -hmm. So in terms of when you finished uni and you thought, right, did you really still think, I want to write a book by that point? Mm, yeah, vaguely. Vaguely? Kind of, yeah, I, like, I remember telling, like I met my wife who were uni, I remember telling her when we started going out that it was like kind of my great ambition was to write a book. But yeah, it didn't seem like something I would manage at that point. And it was, yeah, I started interning after uni and then working as a kitchen porter. And I like, um, I'd st I stopped writing stories for a good couple of years until one day I, did, I was doing this uh, night shift job on the railway and I was working six nights a week and it was horrible and punishing. Did it for about four months and I just quit on the spot because it was, it was destroying me. It was horrible. Not for me. And at that point I was kind of like, what am I going to do? Like with my life, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, very kindly, my my uh, wife, who was then my girlfriend, said, you know, like just take your time. She's she's a doctor, so we were like, we we don't need like two incomes. Mm -hmm. At that point, she was like, have a think about it. So I did. I took some time off, and I started reading a lot and getting really back into reading. And I thought, you know what, I've not written anything creatively in about two years, and so I I wrote a short story based on my time working on the railway. And I got published in Gutter. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like, for me, that was like, I th it was like a sign almost because like Gutter is like such a big kind of cultural part of Scottish literature. Mm -hmm. And that was the first thing that I'd written and I got published there. And it gave me a really false sense of how easy things were. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can do this. Yay. I can do it. And then it was, a it was a much longer time before I got published again after yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah. that, I think that initial... Um, that initial publication gave me the kind of... Confidence. Yeah, it gave me the confidence and I thought I could do this. And I read, I really distinctly remember in reading Murakami's first novel, which had just been published in English for the first time. Because mm -hmm. although he had loads of stuff out, he wrote his first novel. In, in the introduction, he explains about the time he wrote it. He tells this story that's, I don't know how true it is, or whether it's, it's quite self 
mythologizing, I think, but he tells a story that he was at a baseball game and when this particular player hit the ball with the bat, he just had this like flash of inspiration in his head and he just thought, I could write a book. And so he went and he wrote a book over a few months and he won an award for it, a debut award. Amazing. <laughs> and that's, that kick-started his entire massive career. Yeah. And just, I was, so I was reading this first book, which was his award-winning one, his very first attempt at writing a novel. And it's really, it's deceptively simple, this book. And I thought, I could write something like this, ah. you know? Like maybe mm -hmm. I could write a book. It's really, it's really short. It's very simple. Not a lot happens in it, you know? And I was just like, I could, I could maybe write something. I and believe, so these yeah. these two things together just kind of like, yeah, kind of collided. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I kind of started again after leaving uni after kind of giving up on it for a while, and then yeah, then it was years and years of work. Though it didn't, I didn't have that sort of Murakami uh, <laughs> epiphany. Yeah, but I did get I did get that short story publication though, which I thought was like a small scale version yes. of what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's an East Coast Bride version. Yeah. Uh -huh. So when you were growing up, what was your favourite book from childhood? Would you say? Um, well, the one the one I distinctly remember that I loved is more, like more kind of from my early teens, mm -hmm. I would say, right? So this is just after I kind of finished reading through Harry Potter's. I was really into that kind of YE stuff, mm -hmm. fantasy, sci-fi. Um, and I read, I started reading uh, the Mortal Engines series by Philip Reeve. But the second one, Predator's Gold, instantly became one of my favorite books of all time. And it's the one that I remember of the four really clearly. Um, it's the one in which... Hester Shaw, who's who's the kind of secondary character of the first book, kind of steps up into the main role. And she she becomes this really complicated character who you root for, but she's she's dangerous and unhinged, I would say. You know, she you see um she's in love with Tom, the main character, and they're both very young, they're both 18, and she's pregnant. Uh, which which happens between the first and second book, she finds out that she's pregnant. And you see she's worried about losing him. And she, you, you see the lengths that she goes to to kind of keep him to herself almost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really great. And and I think for someone that age who's really into like kind of emo music, you know, I love Death Cab for Cutie and stuff like that. At this time, mm -hmm. it's, it just, the, the the vibe of it was right, you know, and it, I really held on to that book. I thought it was brilliant. You know, it's kind of treatment of like love and death and the way it was wound together. Yeah, and, and just the the world of more legends with its, you know, the traction cities and everything. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It's like a great... You know, it's, it's a really exciting world that Philip Reeve created, you know. I've not read any of his work. Yes. Uh, so, okay, so the kind of basic premise is that it's set in a very distant future, a kind of po post-apocalyptic place, but cities are now built on wheels. So they're massive, they're built on wheels, and they catch other cities to strip them for parts, essentially. So the cities go around eating other cities. It's a <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny premise. It's, it's interesting. It's kind of wacky. Uh, and yeah, if you if the Peter Jackson made a film of it, and it's very impressive looking, I don't think I don't think the film captures it, the story quite right. But mm. the way it looks is amazing; mm. like it very much looks the way I pictured it in my head. It's pretty incredible. And uh, yeah, so it's it's very I, I like going. It's, it's strange even compared to like Harry Potter. I would mm -hmm. say you know because Harry Potter's kind of this equivalent it has the real world and it has the magical world, and you see both sides. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is so very uh, very very different. When we talk about film, just to go back to Squeaky Clean, would you envisage Squeaky Clean as being perhaps uh, a short series or a short film? Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be really cool. I would love to see it as like a crime series or something. Uh, everyone always asks who I would want to play the parts. So I'm always like, I don't know. I really, I feel like getting someone to do Paolo would be like 
that's like the big role I think that everyone would want. I don't know, I don't know if actors would agree with that, but I think <laughs> if I was an actor, that's the one I would want. Right. And trying to think of like who would. I really like, I, I love like Ken Stott. I'd love him to be in it. Mm-hmm. I think he would do a good croaker. I mm-hmm. think he would fit that role really well. But yeah, I'm not sure. And have you any idea how you would go about that? I mean, is that something that, that you would do or, or perhaps an agent? Because I know obviously there's a, there's an amazing Glasgow-based production company called Synchronicity yeah, Films. Yeah, they're doing... Um, they're doing the Graham Armstrong's The Young yeah, Team. They're also yeah, doing Heather Morris's The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Oh, are they? Um, yeah, and they also did Helen Fitzgerald's novel The Cry, which mm-hmm. won a BAFTA with Jenna Coleman. So, you know... It's my... The agent I'm with, she's part of an agency that are also a production company. So they they have, through her, I already have like a, a film rights agent. So that's that's their that's their thing to do, really. Mm-hmm. Just to go back to um, what you're doing when you're not looking after your lovely children, um, and you're not writing. What are you reading? Like, do you have time to read now as, as yeah, a, a young yeah, parent? No, I, I, it's difficult, but I always like I essentially read before bed. That's it. But I make sure that I do it because otherwise, I think it's so important when you are writing to always be reading. I think if you kind of lose the reading part, it's hard to write. I find you lose the kind of will to do both things, and it kind of sometimes when you're not finding time to write, finding time to read. You know, it, ma- it makes you feel like you're still going. Yes. You know, that's what I think. And so it kind of keeps you keeps you going, keeps you in. And right, so right now I'm kind of reading my way through the Bloody Scotland debut list. Ah. Uh, my new friends that we, we all met up at uh, the the programme launch in Stirling uh, a couple of months ago. So I'm kind of reading through what everyone's written, which is really great and really enjoyable. And when it comes to meeting fellow authors, like, is there rivalry between you or is there a kind of, we're all in this together type thing? Yeah, I'd say all in it together. Because everyone, like, it's, most people have kind of taken a long time to get where they are and everyone knows that. I mean, I've met a few authors that have, like, kind of, have, have got a publishing deal on their first book and stuff like that, which is incredible. It's kind of, it's really against the odds. And it's, that's pretty impressive. But most people have like taken a long time to struggle their way up there. So there's a sense of... Earn stripes. Yeah, uh-huh. And everyone's at the moment, everyone's talking about the difficult second novel. Mm-hmm. You know, which, that's, what's, that's what's nice about being in like a debut group as well. Uh, is everyone's in that same kind of place trying to work out what they're doing next. And so there's a kind of sense of like support and everything. And mm-hmm. the, the prize stuff, like, because it's so out of your hands. There's no sense in there being a kind of rivalry because... There's nothing you can influence for it to win. You know, it's not, we're not like gearing up for a race or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we're psychologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're in training, yeah, doing yeah. Up yeah. In the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, obviously, like if, it's, if, it's if it's like an athletic thing, then yeah, there's psychology to rivalry, isn't there, that can help you win or lose. Whereas, you know, you're up for the award and it's out of your hands. A judge is going to pick the, the winner that they like. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you have to appreciate that at the end of the day, there's a kind of subjective element to all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like the people picking the prize have what they like and what they don't like. So even the winners, you know, you can't say, well, that is the best one. Do you know what I mean? Because it's the one that those particular judges like the most out of the group. What type of books do you read? Like, are are there any books that you've read recently that might surprise me? Like, for example, have you read titles? I'm just going to mention some of my favourite books of late. Have you read A Glasgow Kiss? No, Have, Have you read Lessons in Chemistry? No, who's that by? I've heard the title. Lessons in Chemistry. It's wonderful. It's by Bonnie Garmus. 
she's in her 60s and it's a story set in the States in the 1950s and 1960s about this scientist called Elizabeth Zott who manages to sort of smash the patriarchy and it's about her life. She's essentially a scientist, but she, she becomes like the Delia Smith right. of America. <laughs> but it's so amazing. You know, it's it does so, sound really so good. Clever, I feel like so the title rang a bell there when you yeah, said it, but I don't. I actually it doesn't sound familiar. It's amazing. It's actually coming out as a a series um, on Apple TV later this year, right. and it's absolutely amazing. I love it. Have you read Yellowface? No, but it is on my list. I really want to. I've heard like everyone's raving about it. You can't miss it just now. But I, re- I really want to read Babel as well, though. Uh, her first novel. Yes, me too. Because it got uh, so many good reviews as well. Like, But yeah, yeah, Yellowface is on my list, for sure. What's the one book that you always recommend to people? I've just mentioned some books that I always recommend to people. And also in there is one of my favourite books of all time, which is The Heart's Invisible Furies. Mm, Have you read that? No. Oh. Yeah, you have to send me a list it's of these. It's by John Boyne. He's an Irish writer. Yeah, yeah. Did he write... Um... The Boyne's Striped Pajamas. Yes, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it, it's exquisite. It's so good. Set in Ireland, um, covers seven decades of this um, lead character's life and it has everything. Mm-hmm. It's like amazing. So those are some of the books that... I, when I ever go into Waterstones or Amazon, it's almost like, you have ordered this 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the one book or, you know, several books that you love passing on to people as gifts right. or recommendations? Yeah, okay, I'm a I'm a massive Kazuo Ishiguro fan. So almost any of his, I'm like, read this, read this, read this. Um, of his, I love The Buried Giant. And it's that's his really divisive one because okay. it's, it's got like a, it's an Arthurian legend setting, so it's fantasy. So it really split his very like ardent fan base you know mm-hmm. um but i loved it i thought it was brilliant but yeah any of his books i always recommend never let me go is got and um gotta be one of the best books ever written Do and you know i've got that i've had that book for about 10 years and i've never you not picked it up no oh, i don't it's know so why good. so tell me what it's about why is it so good it's okay it's about it's as all his books are about memory and they're generally told from someone thinking back to their past that's not always true, but most of them are like this. And so it's about a woman who's thinking back to her years at a private school called Hailsham. And there's something a wee bit weird about this school. They have this weird emphasis on like creating art and trying to sell it. And it's about her relationship with her two very close friends there. And um, I don't really want to spoil it because there's a kind of, I don't want to call it a twist because it's not, it's not like a sixth sense thing. It just kind of creeps up on you. But um, she goes about visiting these friends in hospital and things like that in the kind of present day sections and reflect on her time at this school that looms really, really large in her past. And there's a kind of secret that she's kind of getting at mm-hmm. as you go through the book. And it's it's just amazingly written. And um, similarly, his, uh, The Remains of the Day is yes. also, yeah, incredible I've book. seen the film. Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> ones I, I picked up. And I'd already read a few of his books, and I don't think had I not read those other ones, would I would have, I would have read it because it's mm-hmm. you know the blurb. It's about you know a, a butler mm-hmm. thinking back to his time during it's just before World War Two, looking after Lord Darlington, and it's a kind of it's a, like a comedy of manners, and it's not certainly not something I would generally have thought I would read, but mm-hmm. because it was him, I thought I will read this, and it was amazing, brilliant. One of the books that I know that you read recently, because I I actually bought this book because I loved the cover art, because I'm a bit of a magpie, yes. was Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
tell me about your experience of that one. Yeah, I love this. This was recommended by my agent. And again, I don't think this is... She, my agent Emily, is like recommends stuff now and again. It's usually stuff that I wouldn't pick up, but because she recommended it, I do, and it's generally brilliant. And this was one of those books. Um, obviously, it's got like massive hype, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's, and it's funny because I was actually turned off by this particular book because of the hype yeah. and because it's about gaming. Ah, yeah. I uh, see. I think the gaming part of it. If you are interested in gaming, it'll enhance the story a bit. But if you're not, it won't take anything away. Because it's primarily about the relationship between the two game designers mm -hmm. and their their lives that, that are kind of twined together, and they meet when they're in college and they grow up, and it's it takes it's quite a long story. It takes place over about twenty years or so. It comes to the present day from from the nineties. But yeah, I, I am interested in gaming. So for me, I was like, oh, brilliant. And the cover is fantastic. Stunning I love Hawkeye. I've got a Hawkeye tattoo on my arm. <laughs> Have you really? I wow. do. Yeah, yeah. I'll, to show, I'll show you later. Right? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the, the cover was amazing. And I thought this will be interesting. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. The writing is fantastic. It quite, it reminded me of, have you heard of uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Shaben? Yes, yes. It reminded me of that quite yes, a lot. Yes, uh -huh. yeah, uh -huh. I read that, gosh, 20 years uh -huh. ago. Yeah, that's a great book. I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, and similarly, it's about, you know, obviously in the case of The Amazing Adventures, it's two comic book artists growing yes. up. Was it? They just, they start writing in the golden age just before uh -huh. the war. And yeah, uh -huh. yeah, it's amazing. But I, fe I felt there's a kind of similarity between these. Mm -hmm. It's not as like, there's a kind of, Michael Shaven's book is quite dramatic and has a kind of magical tinge to it. And that's not present, obviously. It's very realist, uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. But yeah, I, I felt there's something similar between these two books. And maybe it's because it's kind of about a large span of time of two mm -hmm. people's lives and their work together. Mm -hmm. It's maybe got a kind of similar theme to it. But yeah, I loved it. I thought yeah. it was it was the hype really. It, it was justifiable. It. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. So my final question is after the success of Squeaky Clean and I'm keeping everything crossed that you win the awards, but you know, awards are great. You don't need to win them because your yeah. book is wonderful. Uh, what's next? So I am currently editing a second book, which is I've gone back to doing a historical crime novel oh. after, after talking about how difficult it was. <laughs> but yeah, I've got so I've got this You're one. You're masochist. Is, so I, th I think you need that in in, uh, in publishing. You Talk got, to you yourself. Got, yeah, you got you got to learn to deal with constant rejection all the time mm -hmm. and keep going. So that, that I think yeah, you've got to be built that way a wee bit. But yeah, so I've got, I went back to that and I'm doing this one is so it's set in the 1890s in Tokyo and it's about it's partly about the kind of Scottish business interests there. And it's a, it's a crime story, but it's it's partly about the foreign powers and their involvement in Tokyo at that time. It's a really interesting time period for the for Japan because they were kind of, they, they, they were opened up to foreign trade in the 1850s and they were forced open really after a long time of isolation. And so what they went through essentially, the Industrial Revolution in a very, very short time span, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it must've been a pretty incredible time to be alive in Japan, you know, it must have been like magic that like the world was changing so quickly. But yeah, this, the, there was obviously a lot of tension because of this between the kind of old ways and the new ways and the way that the way the foreign powers were treating the, the Japanese government and people and things like that. But yeah, so I, I've written a kind of crime story set in this time and I'm also, I'm outlining another Ali McCoist adventure. Ah, oh, amazing. Congratulations. Oh, 
fingers crossed for you with everything, but I've got a good feeling about your work. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> thanks so much for joining me <laughs> Yo, today. Thanks very much for having me. Great. Thank you so much for listening. Pay it forward and follow us on Instagram at the.bookalchemist.com.